Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MetBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of oligohydramnios and polyhydramnios found under the reproductive section at metbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 26-year-old G2P1 woman presents to her regular obstetrics checkup at 12 weeks of gestation. She had been tolerating the pregnancy without issue. Her first pregnancy did not have any complications, and she had delivered a boy at 39 weeks via spontaneous vaginal delivery. On ultrasound, she is noted to have oligohydramnios. Further evaluation shows that the fetus has polycystic kidneys. Let's continue with an introduction to oligohydramnios and polyhydramnios. As a general overview, remember that amniotic fluid is essential for fetal growth and development, protecting the fetus from trauma and infection, and it aids in the development of fetal lungs. Polyhydramnios refers to abnormally high volume of amniotic fluid. Oligohydramnios refers to abnormally low volume of amniotic fluid. Let's quickly review the differences between the two. In terms of the epidemiology, polyhydramnios is present in 1% of all pregnancies, whereas oligohydramnios is present in 11% of all pregnancies. In terms of the etiology, polyhydramnios may be due to a congenital anomaly, which is most common. For example, fetal gastrointestinal tract blockage, such as from esophageal atresia and other intestinal atresia. It may also be due to twin-twin transfusion syndrome and maternal diabetes. Oligohydramnios may be due to rupture of membranes, which is most common, as well as fetal urinary tract blockage, such as from polycystic kidneys, posterior urethral valves, and renal agenesis, or due to maternal substance abuse. In terms of the prognosis, Polyhydramnios is usually associated with a good prognosis. For oligohydramnios, the mortality rate is high, particularly if diagnosed in the first trimester. Oligohydramnios can increase the fetal risk for chest wall fixation and pulmonary hypoplasia. Furthermore, the prognosis may vary depending on the etiology, such as in renal agenesis, where the mortality is 100%. Moving on to the presentation, many patients will be asymptomatic but there may be abdominal discomfort if it is severe. On exam, one may note a large uterus and polyhydramnios. In terms of further imaging, ultrasound is indicated for all patients. Specific findings are that it can assess for amniotic fluid index. This is calculated by dividing the abdomen into four quadrants and using the largest vertical pocket of fluid to estimate the total volume. Polyhydramnios refers to an AFI greater than 24 centimeters Oligohydramnios is an AFI less than 7 cm. Ultrasound is also helpful to perform a fetal structure survey. This may also visualize any congenital abnormalities. With regards to the differential, make sure to think about twin-twin transfusion syndrome, with key distinguishing factors being that this will present with a monozygotic twin pregnancy with anastomotic vessel shunting from one fetus to another. In terms of treatment, medical options include prostaglandin synthetase inhibitors, This is indicated to reduce amniotic fluid volume, maternal discomfort, and for preterm labor. Specific modalities include endomethacin. Complications include closure of the ductus arteriosus, so one should monitor with fetal echocardiograph with Doppler, and closure resolves within 24 hours of discontinuing endomethacin. Surgical options include transabdominal amniocentesis. This is indicated for polyhydramnios, and it will help with maternal discomfort and preterm labor. Complications include placental abruption, 
fetal maternal hemorrhage, fetal pneumothorax, and risk of infection. Another option is transcervical amnioinfusion. This is indicated in oligohydramnios to improve detection of fetal structural anomalies and to prevent serious complications if they are severe. It is also helpful for short-term improvement. Complications include amniotic fluid embolism and maternal respiratory distress. A final option is delivery at 37 to 38 weeks. This is indicated for idiopathic oligohydramnios. And lastly, complications related to oligohydramnios include chest wall fixation and pulmonary hypoplasia. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to oligohydramnios and polyhydramnios, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A one-month-old boy is brought by his parents to an orthopedic surgeon for evaluation of bilateral club feet. He was born at term to a G1P1 mother but had respiratory distress at birth. Furthermore, he was found to have club feet as well as other extremity contractures. Physical exam reveals limited range of motion in his arms and legs bilaterally as well as severe club feet. Furthermore, his face is also found to have widely separated eyes with epicanthal folds, a broad nasal bridge, low-set ears, and a receding chin. Which of the following conditions was most likely seen with this patient in utero? And the answer choices are Choice 1, anencephaly Choice 2, duodenoatresia Choice 3, juvenile polycystic kidney disease Choice 4, maternal diabetes Or Choice 5, spina bifida The best answer to this question is choice 3, juvenile polycystic kidney disease. This boy with club feet, extremity contractures, and widely separated eyes with epicanthal folds most likely had Potter sequence due to oligohydramnios. One cause of oligohydramnios is juvenile polycystic kidney disease. Oligohydramnios is a disorder where too little amniotic fluid is present during gestation. Specifically, it occurs when less than 0.5 liters of amniotic fluid are present and is often the result of disorders of underproduction. Since amniotic fluid is produced by fetal kidneys, these conditions include juvenile polycystic kidney disease or fetal genital urinary obstruction. Oligohydramnios can lead to the development of Potter sequence, which is when the fetus is compressed due to the decreased space. This presents with club foot, extremity contractures, and Potter facies. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Anencephaly would cause decreased amniotic fluid resorption and lead to polyhydramnios. However, Potter sequence is the result of oligohydramnios. Choice 2. Duodenal atresia would cause decreased amniotic fluid resorption and lead to polyhydramnios. Choice 4. Maternal diabetes would cause increased amniotic fluid production and lead to polyhydramnios. Choice 5. Spina bifida would cause increased amniotic fluid production and lead to polyhydramnios. Finally, a bullet summary. Potter sequence is the result of oligohydramnios, which is caused by decreased production of amniotic fluid by the fetal kidneys. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 29-year-old G1P0 female presents at 22 weeks gestation for her first prenatal care appointment. Physical exam demonstrates a uterine size greater than expected for her gestational age and taut, shiny skin with scattered stria on her abdomen. 
ultrasound exam of the fetus reveals 2.5 liters of amniotic fluid with an amniotic fluid index of 34. Which of the following fetal abnormalities or dysfunctions could have contributed to these abnormal ultrasound findings? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Renal agenesis Choice 2. Pulmonary hypoplasia Choice 3. Duodenal atresia Choice 4. Posterior urethral valve Or Choice 5. Polycystic kidney disease The best answer to this question is Choice 3. Duodenal atresia This presentation is consistent with polyhydramnios, an excess of amniotic fluid. Polyhydramnios can occur secondary to gastrointestinal obstruction, such as duodenal atresia. Polyhydramnios is often defined as amniotic fluid exceeding 1.5 to 2 liters, or an AFI greater than 20 to 25. Excess amniotic fluid is generally caused by either decreased resorption or increased production. As mentioned previously, gastrointestinal obstruction is a common cause of decreased resorption of amniotic fluid. Associated abnormalities include intestinal atresia, tracheoesophageal fistula, or anencephaly. Additionally, fetal polyuria, as in maternal diabetes, leads to increased amniotic fluid. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Renal agenesis leads to decreased fetal urine production and therefore oligohydramnios. This can lead to Potter sequence. Choice 2. Pulmonary hypoplasia is a complication of oligohydramnios. Choice 4. Decreased fetal urination, such as is seen in male fetuses with posterior urethral valves, leads to oligohydramnios. Choice 5. Juvenile polycystic kidney disease is associated with decreased fetal urination and oligohydramnios. That's all for this review about oligohydramnios and polyhydramnios. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.